Hello and welcome to the Wedding Dish Podcast. Grab your fork and knife and take a seat at our table as we dish on all things weddings. You'll hear stories and tips from real couples and wedding pros about love, life, and entrepreneurship. I am Sarah Alpin, your hostess with the mostest on the Wedding Dish Podcast and the CEO of Photos from the Hardy and District Bliss. Thank you everyone for tuning into the Wedding Dish this week. Today, we are talking with a human who specializes in helping wedding vendors and photographers stand out with personalized, tailored branding and website design. You may remember her from our recent episode, Planning an Authentic Wedding and Prioritizing What Matters the Most. Today, we're dishing with the owner of Emily Foster Creative. Emily Foster, thank you so much for joining me on The Wedding Dish today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy to have you back. You are just such a delight, and I can't wait to talk a little bit about wedding websites. Same. I, I could talk about it all day. I'm so excited. <laughs> Yay. Okay, so... You help wedding professionals build websites that convert. So I want to dish with you about how couples can view or read a vendor's website and um, specifically, like, what are some of the things that they should look for on a vendor's website? Yeah. So I would say there's a lot of different, like, kind of technical, logistical things that can help them plan their wedding. And then also, like, the side that's more, like, brand and personality fit. Um, So to start with like the technical things, like um, an easy way to contact is usually what couples are looking for. I think that's the most basic. Um, And one thing that a lot of vendors forget is just like having basic contact info or an easy to fill contact form. Um, Another thing that I see too is um, information on some kind of packages and pricing, um, which that can really range. Like you don't have to have actual pricing on your website. I've seen vendors do everything from like really detailed pricing, including all of their add-ons and everything, and then more vague, like a range or starting at, or even just not having pricing, but some kind of direction about what you have to offer more than just saying, I'm a wedding photographer or I'm a wedding planner. And then forcing people to inquire to see what kind of packages you have. Um, So at least talking about like, if you're a wedding planner, do you offer a day of coordination? And are you able to give some kind of range of like what that would be for people who are maybe a little bit lower budget? Or if you're not trying to attract those people, making it very clear that maybe you only do full service or like really custom work for your clients. Um, So that's one example. Also, a mobile-friendly site is like the logistical part. That's I should probably put that first because that's like one of the biggest things that I see is a lot of couples, I think the stats like across all industries, like kind of just a general website stat is that like, I think it's like 67% of people are looking at websites on mobile now. It's definitely like more than a half. Um, And then I think it is probably leaning even more that way for couples because a lot of couples like aren't really planning their weddings on their computers anymore unless they're maybe doing it like on their work computer or something. But I think there's a lot of like planning while you're in the car or like on the subway or train um, or like while you're on your break or something like that. So watching TV. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then we all know too, that there's like so much planning going on through Instagram too. Like websites definitely really matter, but if they're finding you through Instagram and then clicking your link in bio, then they most likely are looking at your site on mobile from there too. 
Um, so all of those things are important to think about kind of from the technological design side. And then on the brand side, um, being able to like show your face and your personality in your website, I always recommend on both sides that couples look for that to find the right vendors um, and make sure that you genuinely like the people that you're hiring because it's so overlooked. Um, I think it's okay maybe if you don't necessarily like personality vibe with like your caterer or potentially like your florist or something like that. Um, but I think especially the photographers and wedding planners and officiants and things like that, like the people who you'll be spending really quality time with through the planning process and on the day of really matter. Um, it amazes me when people don't find a good personality fit for a photographer because they're literally going to be watching you change and following you everywhere and there for like every intimate moment throughout the day. So you hopefully get along and don't feel awkward around them or don't like have personality conflicts or anything. Um, yeah, so I also tell sure. vendors that like um, be really clear about your personality on your website and don't be afraid to like show who you are. Um, again, show your face. I think that's a huge universal thing, like showing up on Instagram and your website so people can see the person behind um, the website is super important. Yeah, that's so true. I, I think, you know, it really gives couples like, you know, the people that you interact with on your wedding day, like you have to like them because yeah. it's your wedding day. You want to have the entire experience enjoyable. You want to intentionally have every person who's there. So your guest list and your vendor list should, you know, it should be the people that you want to celebrate with. That's Yeah, definitely. Oh, there's yeah. one more too um, in terms of like the brand and kind of personality side too. Like inclusivity is huge um, overall, like across your business and branding, but um, definitely showing the people that you want to attract is like such a basic thing that a lot of vendors fail to do. Like if you're wanting to work with like people of color or queer couples or something, then just show them or even like plus size um, couples or anything like that. Like it's truly as simple as just showing those weddings and having inclusive language on your website and people forget that and then kind of wonder why they're not attracting the diversity of people that they want to work with. Yeah. And actually that's a really good point because recently I had a couple who reached out to me about an engagement session and they wanted me to travel. So for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm based right outside of DC and they wanted me to travel to Virginia Beach, which is like two and a half hours. Um, mm -hmm. And I can't do that without charging. Usually, like, I won't charge for um, travel fees if it's like $16, because who wants to send a $16 invoice afterward? Um, like, yeah. at that point, like, <laughs> um, and, and I understand that every vendor is different, but that's just the way I feel about it. I feel really weird sending like a super tiny invoice when it's like a, you know, $5,000 wedding or something. Yeah. Um, but they couldn't find any photographers that were um, like that were clearly inclusive in the Virginia Beach area. And so they wanted to spend like $200 to, to drive me down there. And I was like, I'm happy to also reach out to photographer friends and ask them like yeah. who they would recommend that's inclusive, but it shouldn't be that hard to find people that look like you on someone's website if you want to hire those people or their social media or wherever they're posting things. 
Um, And that's such a shame Like without knowing the Virginia Beach area a lot, like guaranteed there's probably a handful of players that are. uh, So they have really good SEO opportunities there. (laughs) Maybe someone will hear this. Maybe someone will hear this and then go like add that kind of language to their website. (laughs) Yes. Like add that to your website or like showcase your couples that you want to attract. Um, Yeah. yeah, Make it easy. Like I I think wedding planning should be super easy and fun. So, um, you know, keep it easy. Yeah. Um, and also like being a wedding vendor should be super easy and fun. It is business. I get that. And I am in the same boat being like a brand and web designer where I think you go into it thinking it's going to be all glamour and then like things are hard, but booking clients should be fun. Like we have such an opportunity as like creative business owners to have a lot of fun with our websites. We don't have to be like super serious, like a dentist or a lawyer or something. Um, so I think it should be fun, like the kind of language that you have on your website and just being able to like really connect with people on a personal level through your branding. Yeah, I love that. So on the opposite side, what are some red flags that tell couples they should steer clear of a specific wedding vendor? I would say bad reviews is probably an obvious one, which obviously most smart people aren't going to put bad reviews on their website. Um, But keeping an eye on your Google business profile and what reviews are showing up there, as well as like your Facebook. Um, We definitely refrained from reaching out to some people based on reviews. And surprisingly, it was actually also related to like inclusivity, like reading about a couple of venues that we were looking into that had turned away like queer couples. Um, And they were actually like there were reviews from people in those wedding parties, like kind of um, explaining that. And those were public reviews like on their Google business profile. And those can be kind of hard to remove. So Um, definitely keeping an eye on your reviews and not having bad ones if you can help it. Or I think life happens too. Like sometimes clients will be upset and leave like a Google business profile review, but like just being really honest and replying in a professional way and maybe using it as an opportunity to like not drag the client, but like explain the situation and what happened and like, like thank them for their feedback and handle it in a professional way so that people who do like read a review that's less than five stars can kind of see how you handled that adversity there. Um, So yeah, bad reviews, no easy way to contact, um, like not having your email or phone number be linkable um, or clickable is a huge one that I see because a lot of people don't have the patience to copy and paste your phone number into their phone, which is a small thing. Especially on mobile, which I had not thought about. Yeah. Um, and then contact forms. Um, it's hard to get the contact form right, but not having a super long one. I think a red flag is a super long form where you're really making the couple commit by just filling out this book of a form before they even really know your pricing or your availability. Um, so making that easier is a good tip. Not having a mobile-friendly site or not having a modern site too, which I think those go hand in hand when you see like old sites that look like maybe they were built in 2007 and so it's not mobile friendly at all um that's a huge red flag and i think one of the reasons it's a red flag like i'm partly biased because i'm a web designer so i might notice that more than some couples but especially with like the gen z and millennial generations like the generations that are tending to get married right now like that's just a really basic thing that we expect, um, just like a social media presence. So not having a social media presence is a red flag, um, whether you like it or not. Um, 
but having an Instagram and a Facebook at least is usually pretty expected. Otherwise, it looks like maybe you're not taking your business seriously, like as harsh as that sounds. Um, and then not having a really solid follow-up process too. Like um, I would recommend having a CRM and having an autoresponder so that as soon as couples reach out, they get some kind of response from you, even if it's like a pre-programmed robot response. Um, but if they have to wait like 12 plus hours to hear from you, then you've probably lost them as an inquiry, unfortunately. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, yeah. And also like as a couple, I don't want to wait that long either. Yeah. Yeah. And it is like, I think it's very rare that a vendor is getting reached out to like just as one. Like I think usually couples are reaching out to at least like three different options at the same time. Like when you kind of look at a wedding planner book or um, like the phases of wedding planning, it's usually like, okay, now we need to book a florist. So let's look at some of the options that our planner gave us and look let's look at some on Google and some on Instagram and we'll reach out to like seven. Um, and then whoever responds first is going to actually get a sales call opportunity. And then maybe they'll only get on a sales call with two to three options. And then from there pick usually the best like budget or personality fit. Yeah, totally. I so agree. Um, okay. What are some commonly overlooked web pages on the website that couples should definitely pay attention to? Uh, definitely the contact page. Um, oh, so that couple should pay attention to. I was thinking like vendors to like redesign. I would say um, the about page, um, getting to know your vendor kind of back to what we were talking about of like how to pick a vendor that's a good fit. Um, and then also like a services page. Um, sometimes there's really good FAQs on that section. And um I think that's a tip for vendors is add FAQs, but then a tip for couples is actually read the FAQs because vendors are in a lot of work in those. Um, and sometimes a lot of questions can get answered, um, especially for like some of the more complicated wedding businesses like venues um, and catering when there's like kind of a lot of different factors at play to like book the right vendor. Looking at the FAQs can be really good so that you can actually understand like what the headcount minimum is or like what kind of rules the venue has. And you might be able to make your decision just based off of reading the FAQs. Um, so yeah. I would say those two. And then if there are reviews, um, typically for my own vendor clients, I don't recommend having like a dedicated reviews page because I think a lot of times couples don't spend the time to like read an entire page of reviews. Um, but maybe if they do have a reviews page, go and read those. And then if there's some like sprinkled throughout the rest of the pages, um, pay attention to those and see what the experience was like for past clients. That's, I agree. I think getting those, it can just really help you get a sense of the personality on the about page. And you get a sense of like if they've put the energy and effort into building that out um, too. Yeah. So I think that's another good point. Um, what final advice do you have for couples who are looking at potential wedding vendors' websites and really trying to decide if they should reach out to that person or not? I would say, um, yeah, so the FAQs and reviews definitely – um, looking into their personality more. Um, so again, like the about page, maybe reading like why they care about what they do. Um, 
also looking at their portfolio, I should have mentioned that that's like obviously really essential, especially for um, more of like the visual vendors, like florists and photographers and planners, like making sure that you like the work that they do um, and that you understand like the quality and the style that you're going to be getting when you invest. Um, And then even like, don't be afraid to do some stalking, like do some Facebook and Instagram stalking to see if like their work process and values and things like that align with yours. Um, And then be comfortable with reaching out to, I think that there's this pressure um, that you shouldn't reach out unless you're like ready to book, which from a business owner standpoint, I get can be frustrating if you're spending time on sales calls. But I also think that the right vendor will spend the time with clients to make sure that you're a good personality fit. Um, So I wouldn't necessarily reach out to a bunch of vendors who you know are going to be outside of your budget. Um, But if you have a set budget and maybe you find a vendor that's just like a little bit over that and you feel like you could stretch, like go ahead and reach out and see if you can have a conversation and then you might be able to find the extra money in your budget later to invest in them after feeling good about their personality and their work process and everything. That's great advice. I love this. This was super helpful. I know it can be hard as a couple to really like decipher what you're observing and feeling and reading and seeing on websites. Um, So I think this was super helpful information. And I'm really, I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I hope that it helps at least a few people make decisions and find really good fits. Um, Yes, I Um, agree. So um, where can our listeners find you online, Emily? Yeah, um, you can find me at emilyfostercreative.com or emilyfostercreative on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram. And then I also, for vendors, um, I have a website checklist that you can download if you're interested. It's basically 20 different things that you can start updating on your website today. And it's like those different factors we talked about. So kind of like the branding and messaging side, but also like the technological side of making sure everything is functioning well on your website. Um, so that's at emilyfostercreative.com slash elevated-website-checklist-wedding-dish. <laughs> and we will, I'll send you the link. <laughs> yes, and we'll link to that in the description and the show notes and everything. So it's super easy for you all to go take advantage because you absolutely should. Um, this was even a helpful conversation for me to think about <laughs> my website. Um, and I know that there are so many updates that I need to do. Um, but I'm glad that later. Yeah, we we may have to get on a call. (laughs) Amazing. Well, make sure that you all give her a follow. Um, Emily is the best. She's so lovely. And of course, you should know that because I've had her back twice. So obviously, I believe that. Um, Emily, thank you so much for joining me on The Wedding Dish today. Everyone, you can find us on Instagram at The Wedding Dish Podcast. Our website is theweddingdishpodcast.com where you can find the show notes and we'll link out to Emily. Um, And you'll get to see some photos from her wedding too since we did um, the, we recently talked about her wedding day. So you can see what her personal wedding style was like. Yeah, I wish I could do every style. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I know. Wouldn't you just love it? Um, Well, Thank you so much, Emily, for being here today. This was so much fun and so helpful. And everyone, thank you for being here on The Wedding Dish. Until next time. Thank you, Sarah.